When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back in. I'm excited about this podcast today. This guy, well, you could just simply say he's one of the dudes, man. He is one of the preeminent preeminent figures of baseball. Longtime writer, ESPN analyst, personality. You can catch his work on every platform that ESPN has to offer, including game coverage. And last year... The 2022 Baseball Writers Association of America Career Excellence winner. That means Cooperstown. He is Tim Kirkjian. Tim, how you doing? I'm well, Jim. I just want to tell you a quick story. Please so, do. The day, the day I won the award, Johnny Bench called me at home. The awesome. best catcher of all time. Oh yeah. Called me at home to congratulate me and he said tim congratulations uh you're one of us now uh welcome to the club no clear jim i'm not in their club i'm not one of them i'm a writer and they're the players but the greatest catch of all time called to congratulate me and then johnny's voice very soft and he said very poignantly Jim, it's it's moments like this that take you back league and i was just about ready to cry again and he said and let's face it you could still fit into a little league uniform <laughs> <laughs> bench is always showing a sense of humor and a compassion and everything else it was just one of the highlights of my whole life that's the oh. greatest catcher of all time yeah. congratulate me and then would make fun of me that is phenomenal, and that is so Johnny Bench. That's just it is. that's the point. And all all your listeners in Cincinnati would say, "Yep, that's Johnny for you." Yeah, all, every step of the way. Well, see, this is what I love about you, and this is what people love about you: that stuff like that is not lost on you. That you are still a baseball fan first, right? I mean, you just love to get oozes out of you. Yeah, Jim. Look, this this is thing I ever really loved as a kid, okay? My oldest brother, Andy, who was a PhD from MIT, hit my senior year in college. He looked at my father, also an MIT graduate, and said, Dad, what is Tim going to do with his life? He only likes one thing, baseball. <laughs> How is he going to make a career out of baseball? And it was legit question then it's a legitimate question now my dad said look we'll figure it out he loves the game and that is what has carried me every step of the way in my career no great talent involved but when you really love something and then you show up every day and you try every day good things can happen because that's what i've always had and i love the game as much today as i did when i was literally five years old well that genuine passion just comes through and through and again that's that's why people love you. And it's for doing things like this. Uh, the, the listeners should know that he is on a family vacay right now. He's got a few days before the All-Star Week madness happens. And you are taking time to speak to me and these listeners. Tim, That's that says a lot about you. And we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it, it's my pleasure, Jim. And I will also say that I think you are the luckiest man on the face of the earth, at least these days, because you get to cover that team every day. Yeah. You're there when this has all begun. And I've said it a bunch lately. If I have 15 games to watch any night now, I'm watching the Reds first. You, you can't take your eyes off of them with the energy they're playing with, the athleticism they have. It is really breathtaking to see how well they've done so far, especially since June the 10th. 
Yeah. I was blown away when I saw you, uh, what was it, last week, I guess, in Baltimore. The Reds were playing the O's. Um, <laughs> and you dropped that line on me, and it, I walked away thinking, wow, is he just blowing smoke to me? And I'm like, no, it's Tim Kirchin. He does He doesn't do things like that. So uh, you touched on it a little bit. This team, uh, does it take you back a bit the way the style of play they're playing? It's real. It, it proves again, Jim, and you know this, how great baseball is. That most of us, after a 100 loss season, had we're going to pick the Reds to finish in place, and nothing at the start of the season convinced us otherwise. And then I wouldn't say out of nowhere, they have won 20 out of 24 games. It is just amazing that a team that looked to be in that much trouble now is 10 over 500 and playing the way that it is. This is why baseball is so great. Just you think you understand what you're watching, you realize that you don't because the game is too good to be predicted. That's what makes it so great. It's it's unpredictable nature. Every night you go to a ballpark, you see something that maybe you've never seen before. How many people go to work and can say something might happen today that I've never seen? Well, it happens all the time in baseball, and actually it happens with the Reds because of some of the players that they have on their team. Yeah, it, it's, it seems like almost a daily basis they continue to put themselves in the, the Reds' record book by doing something, and it, most of it has to do with their athleticism. Do you think, I mean, it's a copycat league sport, you know, like other major sports. Uh, do you? And the, they're not the only blueprint, but do you think that uh, other teams, because no one wants to play the Reds right now. When I talk to the other teams or the other managers, coaches, they're like, man, you guys are a handful. I, I don't, I, we don't want to play you. Uh, that could be a right. blueprint that we're going to see athleticism come back in the game as a whole. Well, I think we've seen it in the last few years, but I've never seen it like we've seen it this year with, you know, Ellie De La Cruz gives them an element that nobody else has when i saw your reds guys the other day i asked a couple of them i said that guy might be the fastest runner in the league and and two of the players looked at me and said might be he is the fastest runner in the league (laughs) and we know he has tremendous power and when we talk about history i know this just sounds like an arbitrary stat he's the first player since 1920 when rbis were made official to, in his first 30 games, have 15 extra base hits, 15 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases in his first 30 games. That, that covers almost 100, over 100 years of baseball. This guy is doing it, and he's doing it with a flair. He's doing it while playing times in the middle infield or at third base. And, yes, that athleticism is what everybody fears because the corny and as cliche as it is, speed shows up every day. And this is what the Reds and some other teams are doing. This is what the Diamondbacks are doing. Mm -hmm. This is why they played so well. The Orioles, when we saw the Orioles and the Reds the other day, my goodness, how good young athletic players are on those teams. There's your blueprint, American League against the National League. The Reds, as you know, Jim, stole 58 bases last year. They stole 50 bases in June. That's unbelievable. Yes. But this, this, is, this is what they are doing that scare other teams. And now that it's, the running game is back in vogue, uh, it makes them even more dangerous. So on a national level, we and this is why I'm tickled to death to get your perspective here today, uh, because they've this team is uh, really taken Cincinnati and Reds country by storm, and uh, they love this team. But on a national scale, the the Reds are. Um, I, I turn on Sports Center. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're showing Reds highlights. There was a night they led with the Reds. I'm like, what is going on here? So, do you th- the baseball fans nationally love? this style of play because for so many years it was, you know, we were talking launch angles and we're going to sit back and wait for the three run home run. And the Reds were right in that plan. And when you don't get the three run home run, Oh, ho hum, it's not a good game to watch Uh, that national baseball fans love this style of play. 
Right. And, and they should, because this is what the rule changes were all about is to bring the athleticism back to the game. The stolen base rate is up uh, significantly uh, for some teams. And that's what people want to see. They want to see a guy take off for second instead of waiting for that three run homer. It has helped defensively also with the pitch clock, you know, infielders are on their toes now. There's, they're not just wandering around waiting for 42 seconds for that guy to throw the ball. And without the shift, we're seeing the great range of, of our great infielders. I saw Francisco Lindor over the weekend against the Giants. He made two great plays to his left that he wouldn't have made last year because the second baseman would have been standing right next to him. So yeah. this is what – this is what people want in the game. They want to see great athletes. And there are so many of them in the big leagues and a bunch of them on the Reds. This is why the game is starting to make a comeback uh, is that we're seeing how big, strong, fast these guys are. And again, it is breathtaking to watch the best of them. Yeah, and in one month's time, all of a sudden, there were no one in the seats at Great American Ballpark. Now there are a ton of fans in the seats. I see the stadiums filled more this year around the league as I travel around the league. And I hope this has an effect on other teams in that I think when I watch the Reds play other teams, they are exposing the lack of defense. Uh, These defenders are not used to this. They're not equipped to dealing with this. And just speeding up the play, whatever. It's in their brain. I hope this has an effect on better defense as well because I think that's been lacking in the game over the last decade. Uh, Absolutely. The athleticism is there, but the defense has not been great, and now it has to get better. I mean, we saw Ellie De La Cruz score on an infield grounder with the infield in. I mean, and when you challenge a defense like that, in that game in Baltimore that night, he scored from first on a double. He scored easily. We've seen him run through stop signs at third base, and maybe he's not supposed to do that, but what it is doing is it's putting pressure on the defense. For for years, the defense (laughs) didn't have much to do with the game because the ball... It was either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run, and there wasn't enough stuff in between. And now there is. That's precisely what baseball wanted when it changed the rules, was to get our athletes at their finest on the bases, at the plate, and in the field. And we're finally starting to see that. I think fans also like the uh, David versus Goliath type of thing when you look at what the Rays have done with a smaller payroll, the Royals won a world championship in uh, this last decade. The Guardians are consistently good with not a huge payroll. The Reds do not have a huge payroll. So it can be done building within, and the Reds are a little ahead of plan right now. But what do you think that effect is going to have on the league, the inequity, uh, the unequal economic system of baseball, if you will? Yeah, this is really... Look, we all know that the gap between the the good teams and the bad teams is wider than we've ever seen. We know more than that. The gap between the rich teams and the poor teams is wider than we've ever seen. And neither one of those things is a healthy development. However, when smaller market teams like the Rays and to the Reds to some degree start to win like this, it shows everyone that this can be done if you draft and develop and then teach properly and that's what the rays have done really better than any team certainly any small market team the last 10 years if not longer and the reds are starting to do the same thing they used finally say all right that losing now we see why it is actually worth it look what they got in the draft but more important look who they drafted and look how they developed them. it should give every small market team a little bit of hope that if we do it as 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 well as the Rays have done it, and now as well as the Reds have done it, and the Orioles have done it, we, yeah. we can win long term, and that's that gives hope to even a small market team. How are you feeling about your O's? This has to be a good. It's a renaissance for them. They've gone through some lean times, really lean times. This uh, the the fan in you has has to feel good about this. 
Well, <laughs> truth be told, as a kid, I hated the Orioles yeah. because I was a Washington Senators fan, and the Orioles just crushed our bones every single night. So, And I'm not rooting for anyone. I'm not rooting for anybody or anything these days. I am just rooting for a good story. And, yes, it's a good story that a team that hasn't won the World Series since 83 and has been – Really, really down in recent years. Jim, a couple of years ago, they finished 39 games out of fourth place. Fourth. They that's the second largest gap between the worst team in the league or a division and the second worst team. That's how bad the Orioles were. And it it did kill me that a wonderful baseball town like Baltimore had to suffer through that. So I'm so happy for Oriole fans, for the city of Baltimore, that they finally have something to watch. And same goes with the Reds, Jim. I mean, they've been playing since deep into the 1800s. This isn't some expansion team from the last 40 years. This is a team with a really rich tradition and history. And I think it's great when those teams resurface the way the Reds have and now the Orioles have. This podcast is now complete because your voice went up and you I got I got the essence of Tim Kirkchin right there, which we've seen so many times and people love so much. I mean, it doesn't matter what show you're on, whether I'm listening to Dan Patrick's show or I'm watching you on SVP or on Sports Center or, or you're uh, in one of the games on the game coverage. It just comes out of you. Now, how often do you answer questions like this of the way that you deliver answers with such passion? <laughs> well, it's all genuine. Trust me. This is this is the worst voice in the history of television, and it goes up a few octaves when I get excited. I'm well aware of that. But it just shows, first off, you're allowed to have a hearty laugh once in a while. Absolutely. We're covering sports for a living. We're yes. doing baseball. We don't laugh enough in this world anyway. We certainly don't laugh enough as we cover sports. And I've told people a million times, including the players, if you don't have a chuckle once in a while while you're playing or covering baseball, then, then you're doing the wrong thing. The game is so hard to play. I believe it's the hardest game in the world to play. And as much as I love every second of watching and covering my 10 years on the beat i didn't sleep for more than two hours a night seemingly but it was because the game was so great you couldn't take your eyes off of it so if we have a good chuckle or if i get exceptionally excited about something you're not going to get an apology from me it just means i love what i'm watching and once that's gone, I'm going to have to go do something else. The problem is, Jim, I'm not trained to do anything else except for this. I stink at everything else except for covering baseball. I'm with you. I, I'm like, well, I, I should probably move on. And, you know, I haven't been moved on yet, but they keep putting this ugly mug on TV. And they I'm just like, I stick, I stick with it. It's like, I don't know what else I would go do. Um, I guess there are some opportunities out there, but I don't know if I have the same passion about it. So I, 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 I love your passion. Everyone loves the passion. Um, and particularly, I, and I know you uh, probably talk about this a lot, but when you were on with Scott Van Pelt particularly, and you guys start doing the names, and I'm not going to try to go there and steal SVP's thunder here, but when you're doing names with the, you know, I said, O's uh, with that lingo, <laughs> that Maryland, Baltimore, D.C. type lingo. I am belly laughing over that. And you are, too, which is well, there is so good. It's so good. <laughs> well, Jim, you got to understand that Scott is one of the funniest people in the world. Yeah. And you, you have people in your life. I have people in my, who yeah. make you laugh about what they do. He's one of those guys. He's also the master of all accents, all dialects, but this yeah. is the key. He and I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. It's yeah. about 50 miles from Baltimore, and they speak a completely different language in Baltimore than we do in Montgomery County. That's what makes it so great, is he does it so well. He, and, and, you know, it's been, whatever, 15 years since he dropped a Kikeo Garcia on me, <laughs> and I and I started to laugh, and now I'm, I'm hopelessly gone. Here's how bad it is, Jim. I was... <laughs> This 
is several years ago, but I'm in the grocery store, the frozen food aisle, and a total stranger comes up to me. He doesn't even say hello. He says, please tell Scott Van Pelt, ask him to tell everyone who the World Cup female goalie is for the soccer team, the World Cup soccer team. So I say to Scott, and he goes, hope. Solo, and it was like the stupidest thing. We're getting, we're getting requests in the in the frozen food section of the grocery store from total strangers. I was at a sub shop not long ago ordering something. The guy in front of me, the guy said, "What kind of cheese do you want on your steak and cheese?" And the guy in front of me, I've never even met him in my life, just looks at me and says, "Provolone," and I went, "Oh no." Everyone is in on the joke now, which it's again to repeat, Jim, we're allowed to have a good chuckle in baseball and in sports. And Scott is certainly not afraid of that. And neither am I. Well, that's why he is the uh, premier sports center anchor right now. He's on top of the mountain. That's why you have been on top of the mountain, because people just like it. You can, you know, correlate it to baseball. With uh, some of the, they're showing some flair now. You know, people didn't got sick of watching robots out there. They don't want robots as your, as your uh, TV personalities or radio personalities or even writers. You know, uh, especially in this world, man. We need to if we don't laugh, man. The way society yeah, is now, uh, you better uh, laugh. Yeah, our fans demand not just information and education. They they want entertainment. So every once in a while, it's okay to uh, to say something that has nothing to do with baseball but might make somebody smile or laugh. I'm yeah. a big believer in that. Scott's better than anyone at that. And you know, even our players are starting to get better at that. And that, that's really healthy, for I think, for everyone. Before I know you got to, to get going here in a moment. Before I turn you loose, who were just uh, who were some of your guys? Whether it be broadcasters, writers, players. You mentioned the Washington Senators growing up. I mean, who who are your guys? Well, Willie Mays was my favorite player growing up, even though I was 3,000 miles away from San Francisco. I've yeah. just never seen anybody like him. He led off the 65 All-Star game on our color TV. The first day we ever had a color TV and he had a home run to lead off the All-Star game. I was, you know, eight years old and I was just mesmerized. I, I was before. I was more mesmerized after that. The Senators, as I said, were terrible, but Eddie Brinkman was their shortstop. I loved him. Frank Howard hit the longest home runs maybe of anyone in history, and he was doing it in the 60s. So those were my guys growing up. And then when I got into the business, then I really started to understand what being a writer was all about. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe was was my mentor at the Washington Star when we started. And through him, I met Peter Gammons, who I believe is the greatest baseball writer of all time. So I've had all these great teachers, all these great mentors, Mentors, and I've covered so many great players over the years, and I, I've really enjoyed virtually all of them, including including Johnny Bench, even though he says I can still fit into a Little League uniform. Uh, this is what keeps you going. I, I've collected these millions of stories over the years, and no matter what happens the rest of my life, I will always have those stories in my head, and that makes me very, very happy. Frank Howard, proud Ohio State Buckeye. And Absolutely. Frank Howard got 33 rebounds yeah. in a college basketball game. People right. don't re- remember oh, yeah. how great a basketball player he was at Ohio State. Now, I went out and sat in the seat where that home run supposedly hit. And I looked back towards home plate, and I'm like, there's no way a human hit the ball this far. It, right. When what, the yeah. When the Braves came into RFK Stadium, just when it opened, when the Nationals came right. from Montreal, I'm standing on the field with Tom Glavin, who's a very smart guy. And he looks up at those painted seats and he goes, what, what are those? And I said, well, that's where Frank Howard hit home runs, you know, 60, 50 years ago. And he went, no, 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 that's impossible. No human being could hit it up there. Yeah. He said home plate had had to be somewhere else. I said, no, home plate was right here. And he was just absolutely dazzled. That's what I grew up watching. And that's why things like that stay with me. All sorts of things I saw as a little kid have stuck with me. And they still stay with me now that I'm 66 years old. 
It's beautiful, and it comes across, Tim. Thank you so much for taking the time. I think Reds fans will love your insight on this team, and there's a lot to be excited about in Reds country. And uh, it, as I said earlier, it, it oozed out of your veins. And we thank you for taking the time when uh, you were taking some family time. It says a lot about you. My pleasure, Jim. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it. All right. Thank you, Timmy. That is Tim Kirchin. Wow. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. And we'll be back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back in. And uh, my pleasure to welcome in the senior MLB insider for ESPN. He is Jeff Passan. And uh, Jeff is uh, squeezing us in here. Probably the uh, half the story of his life right now is airports. You're in an airport right now, correct? <laughs> I am at Kansas City International right now and uh, headed on my way to Seattle for the All-Star Game. So this is this is one of those good flights. Like, it's never fun to leave home, but uh, if I'm getting to go and see the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, the Futures Game, and uh, really the celebration of baseball, I'm okay with that. Yeah, kid in a candy store. Are you still, uh, you know, the fan in you? Do you have to overcome the fan the baseball fan in you to be a non-partial uh announcer writer etc not not at all because here's the thing i grew up in cleveland yeah so all i was ever subjected to in my childhood was pain and heartbreak <laughs> right yes <laughs> So, so I learned that your team doesn't necessarily have to win a championship to love and enjoy a sport. And, uh, in fact, it's actually quite a bit easier not to be tied to outcomes. So I can sit here and I can root for good stories and I can root for good people. And at the end of the day, I can feel really good about that because I know I'm not going to be sitting there feeling like I got punched in the gut. Yeah, I have uh, several friends from Cleveland, even family members, but one of my best friends in life is the ultimate Cleveland sports fan. And he the way he just rolls through it and it just rolls off of him is amazing. So I imagine uh, it's just that it's just a Cleveland thing outside of the Cavs winning the the championship. Yeah. And and look, that was wonderful and uh, for my friends and for my father and for all of the non-lapsed Cleveland sports fans like myself. It was a delightful moment. I, I mean, the, the closest I've come to sporting fandom in recent years is living in Kansas City. It's kind of hard not to root for Patrick Mahomes and, and yeah. the Chiefs. So uh, up, in, up until this past year, Cincinnati had been quite the thorn in their sides. Yeah, and uh, right now you just alienated half my audience with the, uh, the Chiefs yeah. mention. You know what? Here's here's the but thing. But I love just, that rivalry. Just, that rivalry's great. Hang, hang with me. I will I will compliment Joe Burrow until I am blue in the face. And I feel like with what I'm about to say about the Reds, by the end of this podcast, you're gonna like me again. <laughs> Bank on it. Let's talk about the Reds. Now when we cross paths in Kansas City. Uh, Reds were rolling through there, and you uh, had a long talk with Ellie De La Cruz and had a terrific feature on him uh, that you can check out on ESPN.com. And it's a lot of stuff that we've talked about, obviously, within the Reds broadcast, but it's so glad that it went out to a national audience. What was your takeaway from the, that story and your conversation with Ellie? Well, my first takeaway and, and the focus at the beginning of the piece was on the fact that a six foot five man has a five foot eight twin brother. Yes. I had never heard of anything like that before. <laughs> I had neither. Uh, yeah. P Pedro de la Cruz runs a car wash uh, in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I don't know if it was in the womb or if it's just a, you know, one of those things about genetics that we don't understand. But 
pretty much all the athletic ability uh, and size went to his brother. And thank God for that, because what Ellie De La Cruz has done in his month or so in the big leagues has been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, he is so much fun to watch uh, and, and dare I say appointment viewing, not just for Reds fans, but for fans of baseball, because every time he steps to the plate, something magical can happen. It can happen from the left side. It can happen from the right side. It can happen from shortstop. It can happen from third base. It can happen on the base paths. That's the beauty of him. He's really, really talented at everything. And while there will be frustrating moments because he's a rookie, because he may strike out too much, uh, the good far outweighs the bad. And in the end, I think the Reds have the player around whom they're going to build their franchise in the sort that every other team in baseball wishes they had. Isn't it amazing? And this is this happens a lot in baseball. The, the signing of De La Cruz uh, for, I think, $65,000. And the Reds went to scout, scout another player and basically like, okay, who's that over there? We like this kid. I mean, you... You've got to have some luck in this game, and you've got to find diamonds oh. in the rough. But to find that no, diamond no is incredible, and it happens in it, baseball. That's the one of the beauties of baseball. Yeah, and it's also, Jim, I think a function of the way that baseball internationally works. Um, I, I will I will just be very plain in saying this. Um, players are signed too young internationally. I, I don't think signing a 16-year-old when the best of them are committing to deals at 12 and 13 is a particularly reasonable or smart way to conduct business. Just because there's such immense variance for anyone who has a teenage child right now or a teenage athlete or knows of one, there's such an enormous difference between where you are at 12 and 13 and 14 as opposed to 17 and 18 and, and you know all the way to 21 and 22 when we're talking about the the amateur draft so uh the idea that you're going to be able to find the best players at those young ages it's just not realistic and it's not like the reds saw ellie de la cruz and said we must get this kid if that were the case he would have been signed for a lot more than sixty-five thousand oh, dollars. what yeah. they saw what they saw were actions, right? They saw the way he threw. They saw the way he swung. They had some projections. Certainly no one ever would have imagined he was going to sprout from six foot at, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old, six, five. Um, but they saw potential and they made a gamble. And here's the thing. 99% uh, of players who sign for $65,000 or less do not make the big leagues, let alone come into the big leagues and merit all-star consideration immediately. So as as much as the Reds deserve credit, I think, for his development and for having an eye on him and saying, you know, even though he's six foot tall and only weighs 130 pounds, we see something. Um, I'm not going to sit here and call the organization geniuses in, in talent evaluation. I think there was a large sum of luck involved in this but yeah. frankly considering what the reds have been through over the last decade they deserve it and their fans deserve it absolutely now what what was and you were speaking uh, to ellie mostly through an interpreter but and he's he's got some flash on the field there, there's no question about that i mean if you've got it why not flaunt it particularly in today's game but were you? Did you come away surprised at how humble he is, how soft-spoken he is, and how much he just turns the attention right back to team? So the soft-spokenness at first, when we so so the way this worked is, you know, I think it was a week into his time in the big leagues. You guys came to Kansas City, yeah. and before the first game of the series, there was uh, media availability where you know Trent Rosecrans, Gordon Wittenmeyer. Mark Sheldon, yourself, some of the, the traveling media was there, as well as uh, some Kansas City-based folks like myself. And what struck me instantaneously was how soft-spoken he is. Like, I had to lean in to hear what he was saying. Because, yeah. you know, I, I, I speak in enough Spanish to sort of understand uh, when guys are talking. And, and I wanted to hear what he was saying, and I, I couldn't. And I was like, am I just old? Like, am I losing my hearing? Or is, I've gone through the same is he, is he thing. This, is he talking this softly? No, yeah. he talks that softly. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I I was struck. I think he's a really intelligent kid, actually. Yeah, he really and, is. Uh, and and it's interesting because remember, Ellie like quit going to school really really young. So while he is not educated in the traditional sense that uh, we look at education, I think he's still a really bright guy, and I think uh, that intelligence frankly has helped him adjust as quickly and seamlessly as he has to the big leagues because let's not forget like a lot of guys have learning curves and it takes a month a year three years for some guys to reach their potential i mean he hit the ground running from day one and i think that in addition to the skill and the talent that he has there is an emotional intelligence uh that's really strong with him that has uh, has helped pave the way for him to do what he's done. Yeah, everyone that I talk to that has coached him or the front office, I mean, op- the talents are there, obviously. It's five tools, and it's elite five tools. But they talk about his baseball IQ, and that is yeah. hard to teach, one, and it's just special. He's almost He almost has six tools because of it. Yeah, and here's the thing. When you have that sixth tool of baseball IQ, it helps all the other ones play up. It it supercharges them. And, you know, he's listen, uh, being smart is not going to make you run harder or run faster. It's not going to make you hit the ball farther. It's not going to make you throw harder. But it will tell you when the right time to run is. It will tell you situationally hitting Maybe I do need to take a, an 80% cut as opposed to a big old daddy hack. Um, yeah. It will tell you this is how hard I have to throw to beat the guy to first base. It it gives you situational awareness uh, that compounds itself, I think, with what you see on the field. What is the national perspective of this Reds team right now? Everyone I talk with, I swear to you, everyone in baseball that I talk with, um, you know, uh, when I was – in Bristol, Connecticut, at ESPN headquarters of baseball tonight this week. Everybody wants to watch the Reds. People think the Reds are the most fun team in baseball right now. And I'm not particularly uh, inclined to disagree with them. And it's just, you know, you, you know what I mean when I say this because you're around the team every day. And I think that fans probably sense it when they watch it. There's such a good energy about this team. Mm-hmm. I think I think they know that now is their time and that this is the beginning of something that has a chance to be really special. And uh, rather than being overwhelmed by it, I think they're embracing it fully. And there are just so many guys on the team who are fun to watch. I mean, I could I could do a whole podcast on how much I love Matt McClain. Yeah. And uh, another one on, you know, the the beauty of the Tyler Molly trade, getting Spencer Steer and Christian Encarnacion Strand, who I think everyone's going to grow to love eventually, and of course Dela Cruz and Andrew Abbott, who I don't know, did you uh, did you watch Breaking Bad? Oh yeah, indeed. Does Andrew Abbott look like Todd? <laughs> Now that you say Doesn't that, he? yeah. Most of the comparisons There's I've Lugo. been getting are Ron Howard, Opie. Uh, no, no. Ron Howard with a Clemens. mustache. Jesse. It's, a, it's 100% Jesse Clemens. It's the body, it's yeah. the face, it's the facial hair. It's uncanny, Jim. When I saw him, I just I wanted to run away because Todd's a terrible human being. And I'm sure Andrew <laughs> Evans is a very nice guy. But he is. It's like yeah. the... The, yeah, the, the the likeness frightened me. Um, but you have you you have all these guys, and then there's Joey Votto, who's one of the most likable characters in all of baseball. And uh, I mean, we can we can go on and on, not just about the guys who are there now, but the guys who are coming. Um, the future is really really bright, but let's not discount the present either, because I'll tell you, I think of the day after you guys first came to town and I talked with Ellie. I went on the Pat McAfee show and I said, I think the Cincinnati Reds are going to win the national league central because I, I don't know. I, I just felt something that day. And maybe, maybe that was getting out over my skis a little bit, but 
all they've done is win since then. Yeah. All they've done since Ellie came up is win, period. Yep. And I, while, while I don't think, you know, they're a team that's going to play 750 ball the rest of the way, uh, I do think that they're going to be right there with the Milwaukee Brewers for the remainder of the season, and that September in Cincinnati this year is going to be fun. Yeah, since uh, McLean, or so, certainly since Cruz came up, De La Cruz came up, and McLean, they ju- they've just made everyone around them better, and the energy yes. is infectious. Now, before I let you go, real quick, uh, you know the the natural reaction of Reds fans, the starting pitching has they've op- they've been able to overcome that, uh, but the. Yeah trade market i'm sure for pitching is going to be really really tough you mentioned the mally trade uh you know i'm not going to speak for the twins but perhaps they would want that one back now so you've got to be really careful oh, as to I'll, what I'll you speak. give I'll, up I'll, 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 I'll speak for them they do want that back but you know <laughs> they, they also here's the thing they also got joe ryan in exchange for for nelson cruz yeah so i mean there's i let's let's put it this way i don't think nick crawl is necessarily going to go out before August 1st and say, we want to win the division this year and we're going to be aggressive in our pursuit of that without looking forward to 2024, 25, 26. That said, if they can get a frontline starting pitcher with multiple years of team control, you know, if they can do with say Shane Bieber, what they, uh, what they did, uh, you know, I think Trevor Bauer had, a, had an extra year, right? Like mm-hmm. he was there for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, you know, if if they can go out and get guys with multiple years of control, I wouldn't put it past them to do that. Now, their farm system is not uh, what it was when Dela Cruz and McLean and Abbott and Steer were in the minor leagues. But, Jim, when you look at the Reds infield, there are too many guys for the spots that they have. Yep. Right. Yep. Someone's got to go I mean, eventually. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Dela Cruz, McLean, Steer is an infielder who's been playing outfield. Yeah. Right. Um, and Carnacion Strand has been a third baseman, has been playing first base. Noel B. Marte, uh, yep. who's really good, uh, is a third baseman. Uh, uh, Edwin Arroyo who they got in the Marte deal for Luis Castillo last year mm-hmm. is a shortstop. I mean, Nick Senzel's best position is their base. Right. Like you can go on and on and on about the, the glut, the, the surfeit of infielders that the Reds have and recognize that maybe it's not at this deadline. Maybe it's in the winter. Maybe it's at the next deadline, but they have too many guys for the number of positions on the field yep. and it would serve them well to, to go out and use one or two or who knows how many of them to get starting pitching. Because look, if, if you have a rotation that has Andrew Abbott, that has Connor Phillips, who I think at some point, uh, I don't know if it's this year, but uh, at some point soon is going to be part of it mm-hmm. that has Hunter green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft. Uh, it's pretty nasty. It's yep. pretty good. And and if you can add, you know, you need starting pitching depth. If you can add another guy to top that rotation, because I'm not sure any of those guys I just mentioned are necessarily going to be number one starters. If you can get someone to lead that rotation, um, th- this is a team that the rest of the National League Central is going to spend a long time chasing. Love to hear it, Jeff. I love your insight. I appreciate you squeezing us in and. Uh... By all means, enjoy Seattle. I will certainly enjoy Seattle, and I, I hope uh, that the people mad about the oblong ball have uh, been <laughs> sated by my discussion of the round one. We, I think, I think you've done it. You've accomplished it. You, you've given us. <laughs> we, all, we already have hope because we've watched this team every day. But now we have greater hope on a national level. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right, Jeff. Appreciate it. That is Jeff Passan, senior MLB insider of ESPN. As we did a double dip on ESPN, we certainly thank Tim Kirchin and Jeff Passan for the visit. And to get that national perspective, uh, you know, it is tremendous. And again, this is this has not happened. I mean, the Reds have been an afterthought nationally, and all of a sudden, uh, and they've earned it. They're just in the national spotlight as well, and it's so, so much fun. 
And uh, welcome to the club. Hey, the bandwagon is getting full, but we got more room. Come on aboard. We've got more to come on this edition of the Gym Day Podcast. We're back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Once again, I'd like to thank ESPN's Tim Kirkjian and ESPN's Jeff Passan for their visit and to get that national perspective. Now, we recorded both of those interviews before Ellie De La Cruz decided to do something spectacular again in stealing home. Stealing first, second, third, home, two pitches. After driving in a run with a two-out clutch go-ahead hit, mind you. <laughs> so, so both of those guys, uh, Tim and Jeff would have certainly talked about stealing helm. But it was, ladies and gentlemen, amazing to watch. Where I'm positioned in Milwaukee is down the third base line, right by the third base dugout, which is the Reds dugout. So it was the play was literally right in front of me. Right in front of me. So I got a very up-close look at that. And doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. Because he did a similar thing in double A. So you knew that he had the instincts and it was already in his brain that, listen, I can make this happen if I just catch them off guard for one second, which is exactly what happened. It was that post-game situation um, was very enjoyable. The energy that was first injected into the dugouts was... uh, Really a pleasure to watch up close. And to see Ellie come back to the deck out. He's skipping like a little kid. I mean, to me, still a little kid. I mean, he's very young. But skipping like he's really young through the dugout. Just the pure joy to see the reaction of the other players uh, with their hands on their heads. Like, I, I, I don't believe what I just saw. To see Votto standing up and leading... There were a lot of Reds fans right behind the dugout there leading the Ellie, Ellie chance. It was really, it was really fun. Something I'll certainly never forget. So here we are. Uh, but one more thing. I love J.R. House, third base coach. Uh, I don't know if you saw the interview that we did with him afterwards, but he, I mean, he's had the bird's eye view for a couple of crazy things. One running through a stop sign, Ellie did, and nearly <laughs> nearly took JR out. He had to be very nimble to get out of the way of that freight trade. Um you know, he's witnessed him scoring in many different ways. But he said in this particular case he's never had a guy which he was when someone steals third, he'll go up and high five him, low five him, whatever. So he was in the process of doing that, of like, okay, I Nice job, high five. But when he got towards Ellie, he realized, okay, this play's not over. <laughs> this is not over. This dude may try it. And he did. He also said in the interview, and this is actually what stood out to me of it all, was Ellie wears that one of those sliding mitts. So... <laughs> When he gets to third base, he changes the hand that he puts the sliding mitt on. And Jared's like, what are you doing? He's like, well, in case I steal home, I've got to slide him with the other hand. <laughs> I mean, that's like next level thinking. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to be able to do it. So he's got both. He switches sliding glove at third base just in case he might steal home. Incredible. But the post-game clubhouse was super fun. It was one of those times that I don't even know who started. I think it was, I was interviewing Will Benson, 
And I think it was TJ Friedel that walked over. And I said, TJ, I have a question. And he just jumped right and asked him a question or at least made a statement. And then it was player after player that just decided, all right, I'm going to take the mic. Spencer Steer was great, by the way. He had a great question for Benson. Um, Matt McLean, Derek Law, uh, Sinzel, and then Ellie steps in there. And this part was actually not, I don't think it was on social media or aired anywhere. <laughs> it got a little crazy with Ellie standing there talking in English with Benson, who has been called a freak of nature, but Ellie De La Cruz is like next level freak of nature. So anyways, it was really fun. Those guys had a, a, a whole lot of fun, and I love when that stuff like that happens. I'm just willingly just handing off the mic, introducing players here. You ask them a question. Um, so that's the infectious nature of this team. Now, they did lose two out of three in Milwaukee, but it was key to just, if you win one of those three, guaranteed of going into the break, which they are, a game ahead of the Brewers for first place in the National League Central. I mean, what an incredible turnaround to be in this position and to turn it around this quickly and to have that incredible winning streak. Um, not incredible, but it was. I think it was 12-game winning streak. I shouldn't say incredible. It was a really good winning streak. Um, it's If anyone says that they expected this much of a turnaround and this much fun of a team and this successful of a hitting lineup, I think they'd be lying. I mean, you expected to turn around. You knew these guys were really good. They were highly touted for a reason. But to be to do it this quickly and to be in first place, now granted, the division, it's a mediocre National League Central, at least the numbers, the, the standings speak for themselves. We'll see what happens in the second half. A lot of stuff can happen, so that could change. That could change. Two or three teams could go on a run. All of a sudden, it's a competitive division. But to be in first place and to, to do what they've done the way they have, the way they've captured the fans, I don't think anyone saw this coming this quickly. Maybe next year. Maybe at the end of this year. But the way it happened, coming out of nowhere, has made it even better. So I look forward to the second half. I hope they can overcome um, what is an overworked pitching staff. I hope they can overcome that. They have the, they've done a brilliant job so far. So we'll see. But I can guarantee one thing. It won't be because of lack of effort because that's one of the beauties of this team and their style of play. It's really enjoyable to watch. So I'm so happy for the fans. I think it's going to be really, regardless of what happens, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be interesting to watch. You're going to be, you know, those that are Reds fans are, you know, right now, you know, hey, we're proud of this team. We They represent baseball and the city very well. So it's, uh, it's enjoyable. I'm just really happy for anyone that's listening right now that's a Reds fan. It's uh, really the most happy for you guys. All right, babbling on here. Um, speaking of Will Benson, he has agreed to come on this podcast. We're going to talk to Will. He's an interesting guy. That's coming up, and who knows what's next. We'll see what happens, but thank you for joining me for this edition of the Gym Day Podcast, everyone. Hope you have a great week, and looking forward to the second half.